Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry. I'm joined first and foremost by James Key. Hello, James. Salut. And also joining us on this magical journey is Maddie Key. Matt, what's up? What up? We have a lot to go over. We sound so unmotivated for probably like the biggest night or 24 hours in our Maple Leaf fandom. (laughs) I I think what that is, I think Matt is still dealing with a hangover of a roller coaster of emotion that last night was. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Jim was there. He was right next to me. And like, we were at my dad's watching the game, and I'm full out just, I'll yell and scream and cheer unabashedly and not even like intentionally it's pure reactionary and it's not even something i control like if they score i'll be yeah and it's very short and what does what does a controlled celebration like i think isn't that all reactionary like how many people plan there like i i but as soon as the leaf score i am going to pump my fist and scream no but you know what i mean it's not the controlled where you have it planned it's more of i'm not gonna scream or i'm not gonna you know jump up and cheer it was more of just it just happens and i don't intend it to right it just reacts in a very jubilant way almost childlike glee maybe you're just not used to it with this team yeah maybe i will say i feel like i feel like we have very different sports watching habits (laughs) so (laughs) Take me through the scene of what this looked like yesterday for you guys, and I'll take you through what it, the scene looked like for me watching this game. It was very quiet at the start because I think we were all like, we're going to get pumped. <laughs> like, I genuinely think that was the mindset going in is, you know, we think it would be close games or it wouldn't be a sweep or even five games, like six or seven. But I didn't see what happened happening. There's, I don't think anyone saw that. I think they saw if the Leafs win, it'd be a 3-1, a 2-1, a 3-2 type game. I don't think they saw that first period and the Leafs being down for seven minutes and out-chancing, like, expected goals for 53%. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I think that's, it was just so unexpected. So when I'm watching the Maple Leafs, and even for a playoff game. I have two TVs in the living room. So there's like the main 60-inch display, and then off to the left, there's a smaller 40-inch display. The porn display? Uh, not exactly what it's used for, but the small 40-ounce. <laughs> the small 40-inch TV. That's where I had the Leafs game on. On mute, just on in the background, while I was playing MLB The Show on the big TV. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. You can't go further and say that you had MLB, the show, on the 60th. Not even a real sport. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, yes, I was playing a sport video game, if that's what you were. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You mean by not a real sport. Well, I, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not real. Why does it have to be real? I'm just saying, like, there are real people doing things happening in real time. Like, there are people in... Maple Leaf Square, at like at living up, and you've got them on the small TV. <laughs> yes, it's on small TV. With, with digital and, show and 
and it's on mute. <laughs> just so just I can so pay can attention hear. to what's actually yeah. important. So mainly because I think this is partly because of how many years I spent in the restaurant industry where I'm so used to like working and then looking up at the TV and okay, that's the score. I, I know what's going on and going on with my day. And it, it's almost like conditioned my brain to watch sports like that in on mute in the background, just kind of literally like what I'm doing right now with the Jays game. Like it's on mute in the background on one of my monitors and I'm looking over at it every so often. Okay. I know what the score is great. I will unmute it when I think something cool is going down. Like if I feel like there's a power play, okay, fine. I'll pause my video game. I'll unmute the TV. Unless then a goal is scored, in which case I will only hear the audio for a couple more seconds just to hear the goal horn. And then I have to hit mute again because the Toronto Maple Leafs have the worst goal song in the history of the NHL. No, Let me tell you something. True. When a goal is scored, okay, whether you like the song that's or not, not I think you will. I think there you will agree with this. Goal songs. <laughs> when a goal is scored, it should be a party in that arena. People should be jumping up and down, throwing babies in the air, towels waving, screaming, cheersing beers, the whole nine yards. This guy wants Jock Jams '96. <laughs> I will zombie take Jock Jams '96. <laughs> I will take Zombie Nation. I will take Blur Song too. I just want. Something to feel like a party rather than like, you know, just shrugging your shoulders, hanging out with your 90 year old uncle by the pool. That's not the vibe there I want from this songs. team. Guy LMFAO, party rock when the Leafs score. Ew. I will, I will gladly take back, and the Leafs did this for a few games. I will gladly take back the Harlem Shake over this nonsense Blech. of a song that no. they pawn, on off, pawn off on us. All year, not just all year, but this has been going on for a number of years now. This stupid song. This has and been going on like it's a violation of, of human This is rights. the biggest problem. The biggest problem with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now is that goddamn goal song, uh, and we had to hear it five times last night because the Toronto Maple Leafs defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning five nothing in Game One, and there was a whole lot going on in this game. Yeah, we have suspensions we have fines we have a lot of goals being scored a lot of interesting sound bites from coaches and of course it's still only game one game two goes tonight in toronto hopefully that's another win for our maple leaves i mean if you look at our predictions i don't have them up right now but i know i said tampa in five so i don't know how uh, accurate that's gonna be uh, Maddie actually said Leafs in six, and James, he said Lightning in seven. So, or excuse me, he said Lightning in six. Yeah. So but I don't know where also, you guys want to hey, start. I just want to caveat that I also said it, if it could go the other way if the Leafs win the first two, and I actually kind of believe that, and I know that you know. No, you believe it. I know. Ugh, uh, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that you like Tampa won't have had a chance to play on home ice, and you know. First of all, I gotta like I gotta roll this back. Hang on, like hit the rewind. Number one, if there was a game, possibly in the history of Toronto Maple Leafs, to to have on mute, that was not the game. Like that, like top to bottom, and I, I, I shit you not, that might be the most complete game I've ever seen a Toronto Maple Leafs team play, from top to bottom. Like in terms of, like I, I dude, most games that I watch to that degree with that kind of intent, I don't have any problem picking out mistakes and, and handing them to you 
in, in spades. I, I don't have a lot to draw from in terms of mistakes. So you, the fact that you put that on mute it is absolutely nuts. So second, there are worse goals. Like Hall and Oates, I, I actually thought was like super irritating in the beginning. It's actually kind of grown on me. And I think it's grown on me in the sense of like irritating, irritating, like, I want how irritated you are for everybody else. That's where it's okay. going on me. But you know, there's a term for that, right? What is it? Where syndrome. you've been? It's <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. You have been brainwashed into believing that this is an acceptable goal song for a team that is trying to win a Stanley Cup. You know what I do think is cool, actually. I like the idea of. Didn't Buffalo try this? They wanted. They gave them each their own songs. Yeah. Yeah. Each player had a song. I think they, that they still have to it. Pick. I think that's a cool idea. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, submitted for the approval of Midnight Society first, obviously. Like, you don't want to just have a song that's like, fuck, 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 as your goal <laughs> song. And they're like, sure, we'll play it. But, like, no yeah. keep my limp biscuit. <laughs> yeah, break stuff <laughs> is just your goal song. Um, yeah, you want, there, that would be the worst goal song. There, there could be worse goal songs, absolutely. Limp Bizkit would be a significant upgrade from no, all of them. I want, no, I want the Linda McMahon WrestleMania theme. That's <laughs> <laughs> a goal song. Honestly, okay, so that's the same vibe, though. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a 1970s, like, yacht rock. But their win oh, songs, their win song is from Slapshot. a 75-year-old woman in a pantsuit. No, their, their win song is from Slapshot. Okay. I'm is not talking okay? about the wind song. Is that okay with you? No, it's, it's still not okay. I still want... So this is the inherently the issue. He just wants hype music like that carries the momentum of the goal. Yes. I want it to feel loud in the building. And the crowd, supposedly, because I had it on mute, but so I heard, the crowd was incredible all night. And they were... Yes. And Sheldon Keith mentioned this in his post game of yeah. how he didn't realize how much home ice advantage was going to matter because if you remember like the last two seasons that the Maple Leafs been playing playoff games there was no crowd so this is the so, first game one they've played at home since like 2004 like the first game one like they, they haven't had home ice advantage when they played the playoffs for when there were fans in the building so right and like i want to keep that energy when a goal is scored i want to keep the energy i want to keep the momentum by playing this do 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 like that's not the vibe we're going for we need emphasis we need anger we need right, hype so we need pick right now give me your ideal least goal song go i mean i can't do it off the top of my head but it would have to be something <laughs> Here's here's okay. So I don't know if what I want is perfect either. I think there's the perfect answer, but I don't think what I would want would be right either because it's like I think things. I am. It so here here's what I what I mean by that. I think the Raptors game presentation does a fantastic job, where they will bring in Cardinal Fischel to remix a very Toronto centric song and work in the roster into the lyrics as a remix like that's brilliant they will obviously use music from drake and they will obviously use modern and contemporary hip-hop to attract a younger audience the maple leafs are on the complete other flip side where i feel like their goal is to attract the empty nester 70 year old white man and i well, feel like that's the wrong the way to look money. at it <laughs> I understand that, and I, I I totally understand that. But at the same time, 
at some point that generation is going to stop watching hockey. But we the need Leafs, a- the Leafs are a storied franchise that have been around for. I know we're kind of veering off course here, but I think it's important to to differentiate between the two. The Raptors are are a modern franchise. You know, nineties. Uh, the Leafs still 100 years, the passion that unites us all, you know, and uh, the the difference is, and I actually remember, were you there, Dustin, when I had my house and we were on the back porch and it was, I think it was you, myself and Brad, and we were talking about how Drake, what is the, was the turning point for not only the Raptors, but a lot of things in the city of Toronto in terms of elevating well, culture, changed, culture. Yeah, he changed the sports culture for the Raptors, like. He but not just sports. Yeah, he did. But we were talking about culture in general, and I don't. I don't remember if it was you or Brad that was arguing against it. Maybe it was Scott. I don't remember. But I think you were there, and we were talking like. I feel like I was there, and if I had to guess, I would say Scott was arguing against it. But I don't want to slander Scott. But I think it was him. <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, I, the the Raptors, they, Matt, Matt's right. Like he changed the sports. Uh, not sports the the raptors trajectory and made he he held a door open where there wasn't a door right like there was an invitation to a party where a party did not once exist so and but the leafs have never needed that because they've always been this storied you know they're the they're the yankee equivalent of of hockey so you know I, but I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, could they have a better goal song? Sure. I don't know if it's the dirt worst. That's but my choice would be something like Coheed or whatever, because that's like well, <laughs> my personal taste. Well, that, that, and that's what I mean by that, where you guys are big fans of Coheed, so that's something you might pick. And, you know, Welcome Home would be awesome. I, I don't disagree. Welcome Home would be the pregame song. Or, like, <laughs> Here We Are Juggernaut would be the pregame song. But I don't, that's not a goal song. Three people well, enjoyed that. Neither is, <laughs> neither is Hollow Notes, but here we are. You know what? Okay. But what, what I think we should do is do some research and we'll come back next week with our perfect goal songs yeah, for the Yeah, Let's leads. do it. Three. You bring three to the table next week. Yeah. And then we are can we actually, talk are, about. Are we yeah. actually playing the audio? Can we do that? <laughs> I think. I mean, can, if it's under, under 20 seconds, is, we can. Yeah. The rumor is 10, 10 or 11 seconds or something. So. But yeah, no. About the game, though. Um, as Jimmy said, that was arguably the most complete game that a Maple Leafs team has played, and not just a playoff game or not just any like preseason game or regular season. The most complete game they've probably played in a very long time. Also, this team, the most complete game they've ever played. Um, you know, you look at a team like Tampa that has that figurative switch to just turn it on and be able to say well we've been there before we did i mean i as much as they say like a big penalty kill can sway or move momentum back for the other team it's one thing to have a big kill it's another thing to outchance a team the caliber of tampa on the pk for a five minute major not even a two minute power play not even like a double minor for a high stake it was five minutes, and the Leafs outchanced them handedly in that, and that didn't just sway momentum. I think it absolutely crushed Tampa's motivation in that first period, and the Leafs just jumped on it. And I think they came out saying, we have a lot to prove, and they showed it. 
one, they engaged first physically. I mean, watching Pierre Engvall go at people is kind of funny now to me because I, you were like, where is this for the past little bit? You know, Morgan Riley's out there chucking knuckles, bloodying up Jan Ruta. And I just think they were first on pucks. They didn't shy away from the physical shit, which everyone thought they would. And you could tell Tampa got rattled, so they went and said, let's cause some shit. You know, and we all know it's one game. Tampa's going to be very angry tomorrow or when people hear tonight. But I, I think it's a good stepping stone to show not only can they hang, but they can dictate. I mean, the so, team, the team, they did. There are players on that team that did things they've never done or they, they failed to show any consistency doing. And to me, that's that's the most interesting thing about the game. You mentioned Morgan Riley. You know, for a long time, I've said, you know, if there was just a little bit of extra out of Morgan Riley, you know, close to what he showed last game, man, that guy would be like the the model defenseman. Um, You know, I don't, I don't know that Tampa, Tampa got beat in four games by Columbus three years ago. Um, Was it three years ago? Four years ago? I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. It happened. It doesn't matter. It, it, so, it was the year Washington won the cup. So they get, you know, and that's that sucks, and that's getting beat up. You say Tampa's going to come back and be pissed off. They, they will. I I don't know that they've been beat this way, though. Like, there are, in every aspect of the game, they were manhandled. You mentioned the you know the expected goals for on the penalty kill of fifty one percent. That's ridiculous. Um, Stupid. That shouldn't happen. That's like beer league shit. Marner. We talk about players who've never done. Marner didn't put the puck over the glass. Marner scored. <laughs> he hadn't scored in eighteen <laughs> playoff games previous. 19. Nineteen playoff games previous. That is huge. And he scored in it in it not you know not a, a junky fashion. So. Oh, you he know. he debated. He absolutely debated <sighs> Vasilevsky. And it's 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 what you what you wanted. It's what we said needed to happen, and it happened. It's it's an odd feeling to be like, this is what you need to do to win. And they're like, not obviously not listening to us, but they did those things and they won, and they won in very I said won. They won in very convincing fashion. And it, it's it's a weird feeling being a Maple Leafs fan waking up the next day and and being able to breathe after a game yeah. like this. It's good. I just think we also have to be very aware that to not have the overreaction Monday kind of thing where no. you overreact. Yeah. It's Either one way. Game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one, one game. game. What do they say? I just think... Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Don't get too low. Playoff mentality. But I think... I, the one thing that bothers me is like and I, I know this is part of the game and kind of what you do, but John Cooper kind of downplaying the Leafs after that game to say, well, we played like shit, they didn't play good. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. I think that's him protecting his team and kind of protecting their situation. But man, it just to me, that just looks as like a guy who's not desperate. Obviously, they're not. They're back-to-back cup champs and they know it's one game, whatever. But it just looks like a guy to me who's getting ahead of it a little bit 
in terms of not giving the least credit or kind of prepping to say, hey, you know, if we lose, it's not because we lost to a good team. It's because we didn't play well, well which is kind of a cop out. Well, no, I, I don't think disagree with them, though. Both things can be true, right? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, like, I, I think I thought Tampa played horribly. And I, I think I messaged you guys during the game. I'm like, the, they've been outclassed yes. in every way in this game. Like, and that's yeah, it not, wasn't just like offensive, defensive, and specialty. It was top to bottom. Yeah, in every way, the Maple Leafs were the better team. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think Tampa did not show up at the level that they needed to be in order to be competitive in this game. And things got out of hand real quick with the Kyle Clifford hit. And because of that, Clifford is going to be sitting out game two tonight. He has been given a one-game suspension and... What do you guys think about it? I, I think it's a deserved suspension. Absolutely not. Now, if if we <laughs> compare it to all the other things that happened yesterday, maybe not. But if you look at it in a vacuum, if you look at just that hit, and you have to judge it just solely on that play, I think it's a deserving one-game suspension. What do you guys think? You did get a one-game suspension. You got kicked out in the first three minutes. You got a, you know, a five in a game. Yeah, essentially that's and it's also it's playoff hockey how many times do we look at shit that happens and regular season that's two or three games playoffs it's either a fine or a one gamer not for Kadri because the dude's an idiot but you know for a play like that the guy wasn't hurt okay he was cut yeah it's probably a stupid play but if that's in the last two minutes of the game I see him getting one game but the fact that it was literally his second shift of the game I just think they should have looked at that and said, he's essentially got his one gamer already, so let's give him a $5,000 fine and say, The maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, especially, (laughs) as you said, when you see some of the other shit that went on. Because Clifford wasn't intending to hurt Ross Colton. It was a dumb play, but I don't think he was intending to put him out or hurt him, unlike Jared Spurgeon. So, so... Okay, before we before we get into other stuff, the the thing with what you said is, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a suspension um, based on a number of things. One, like I don't think there Clifford doesn't have this this massive garbagey history that a guy like Wilson or or Marchand gets, right? So I feel like it's severe on that front. However. They were calling the game a lot stricter than they had in the past for playoffs. So I can kind of understand why they gave him the suspension because it does look like they called the game significantly tighter than playoffs might have been called previously. The only caveat I will say, first of all, actually I've got two. Number one, if if anything that resembles a hit like that from pat maroon or Corey perry now i expect exactly the same i don't i don't want to see uh unbalanced treatment for for something that looks like almost identical and i'm pretty sure i saw one or two that could have been called i mean the the result wasn't as severe but the the hit was similar and could have been called at least boarding that that went uncalled but the other piece is we talked about what the lineups were and what we thought about them for like in our preview. I I mean, is there any doubt what like you talked about things coaches said. 
Sheldon Keefe said that the fourth line plays has played their best again paraphrasing when Kyle Clifford's on that line dude I don't disagree I mean I know he was out I know he got kicked out in the first three minutes but I only think they would have been even more the aggressor had he stayed in the game and I think that after the one game suspension I'm not convinced he doesn't go right back in Oh, he probably does. And I think we're very aware of that. I think Bunting comes back. Um, Spezza slots in. Maybe. Um, although that fourth line in pra- line rushes today was, or yesterday, when people hear this. I gotta get used to that. Dustin's good at that. I'm not. But, you know, the line rushes on Tuesday were Kasha, Blackwell, and Simmons on the fourth line. Yeah, Black, what I found Blackwell interesting had a great about game, that, by the way. Blackwell had a great yeah, game. Yeah, what what I found interesting is that so Nealander's out because if Bunting is in, that essentially takes the Clifford spot because obviously you just move Kerfoot down. Yeah. So if Spets is also in, that means someone else is out. Oh, and I, I don't think, think that Spets, might no, mean. I don't think that, no, I don't, I don't think Spets is in. I think he'll slot in at some point. I just think, I think Nealander and. Mc- Kev, I think it was, left early. Or no, Nylander and Engvall. They left early from practice, but they've already been said, yeah, they're playing game two. That's not an issue. It's probably just a rest thing. Especially for a guy like Engvall, who was probably one of their guys digging in the corners most than other players, mm-hmm. which is, I'm genuinely shocked to say that. I just, I, and, you I, know, look at, I look at all these guys throughout the season who said, and sorry to cut you off, Dustin, but I, I, I feel like People shit talk guys like Clifford Simmons who they say don't like what do they bring to the game? And even people were like, see, there goes Clifford. Like, you don't understand. Like, the players that's an infinite energy boost that clearly lasted, not only because of, you know, we're he's setting the tone. And and the penalty kill, and you could say if, if they got scored on eight times, it's clearly not setting a tone, and I totally get that. But you, you it's you play bigger, and we said this about Colorado. You play bigger in front of these guys because you know you're not going alone, and that's like we talked at the end of the podcast. The NHL playoffs are a fucking war, and you don't you don't want to fight a war alone. Who wants to be who wants to be the only guy running into battle by themselves? Nobody, right? And having these guys in the lineup initiating, knowing that they've got your back, clearly uh, inspired them to play a, a much more engaged style of hockey. And that engaged style of hockey continued throughout the game. Well, mainly towards the end of the game when uh, Wayne Simmons, Corey Perry, and Pat Maroon got all mixed up in there. Uh, you can throw in morgan riley as well and Labushkin, what a crazy who scenario that was who apparently punched the ref like four or five times because he had his jersey over his face and he was throwing throwing fists and he hit the ref a bunch of times yeah i saw a few referees take a couple shots to the face and that's but unfortunate they, they probably get <laughs> as a ref that. dustin is like that's unfortunate <laughs> you know anytime someone's like oh hey so you, can you bump tonight i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? Is, is this Madison Square Garden? Is this like is, is yeah, this WrestleMania? Can you throw an extra fifteen on the paycheck and in the envelope? Because la- 
last time I checked, we're in God knows where Ontario in front of 15 people. There's a 0% chance I'm taking a bump, guys. Zero bump chance. I will say, though. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You... I was going to say, like, there was wrestlers on that card who didn't take a bump. And you're going to ask the referee <laughs> to take a bump? You're shitting me right now? That's funny. But I think, like, we were saying about the whole Clifford suspension in context of other things that went on in the league. Yeah, the fines... The fines for Simmons, Maroon, and Perry, it's literally a deterrent. It's to say, you guys are on the books now, any stupid shit, and you're suspended. That's literally what that was for. But then you look over at Minnesota-St. Louis, and a player who legitimately tried to injure someone else gets $5,000 fine. Yeah, so, and I guess we could tie all this conversation into one. So, uh, before we get there... Because I, I do want to talk about the Jared Spurgeon thing. Um, do you think the players pay for these fines? I, I think mean, they like, do transactionally. Yeah, think, of course. Yeah. But I think yeah. there's an envelope of cash that slipped under their hotel room door in the morning. Yeah, or yeah. all the players but probably. I, I mean, especially in this scenario, like the, the Perry and, and Maroon, what they're doing is, you know, Simmons threw a hit, nice clean hit. And they weren't responding to the hit itself. They were using the hit as a catalyst to set the tone for game two because they don't want to be looked at as we got beat up and we didn't have anything to say for it, right? They they want the message at the start of game two to be we're still here and we're still prepared to battle. The, the difference is, and I think probably from recent memory or, or history, is that the Leafs didn't back down. So... The message, you know, in so much as that's what they were probably trying to accomplish, was was their goal achieved? I don't know. I mean, it's just as important to see how the, the Maple Leafs respond in Game 2 as it is Tampa Bay. So, Yeah, so th what I was getting at there, the numbers seem arbitrary, where it's like Simmons and Maroon both got a fine of $2,250, and Perry has a fine of 2500 It's like twenty two, huh? Like twenty two hundred, interesting. Do you know how what the active roster for a playoff NHL team is? Twenty two, twenty three, twenty three guys. The hundred bucks each. It's a hundred bucks each guy. <laughs> no, other than saying. the guy who they'll all chip in. Got they'll the all fine, chip right? in for dinner. Not just that. Like you have Austin Matthews, who's making ten and a half, eleven sheets a year. You don't think he goes up to Simmons, be like, "Yo, I got you. Don't worry." Like, come on. Dude, or him I'll, and Marner split it. I'll give you some of that bet three six five money, or whatever it is. Bet nine nine. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, bet ninety nine dot net or um, his uh, his lids Canada money. Yeah. Buddy, I'll get you forty cases of Red Bull. Marner says. <laughs> yeah, no way. What's with Wait. the Red Bull sponsorships? Like, there's the. For the longest time, it was Dion Phaneuf rocking that stupid Red Bull hat. Oh, and they told us stop. And now Mitch Marner's wearing it. Marner was wearing it at the Raptors game the other day. Well, at the Raptors game, he can wear it, but I know organizationally they don't let them wear hats like that. Like in during post media game. scrums and stuff, yeah. yeah. So two things with that, now that I'm reminded of it. One, that Raptors game where all the, the Maple Leafs, well, not all of them, there's like four Maple Leafs there. It yeah. was uh, Matthews with um, Riley. And Riley. It was Kerfoot Marner with Kerf Marner and Kerfoot. Yeah. I think that was a perfect example of just how young these guys are. Because 
Matthews and Marner just look like total clowns to me. And that's because I'm a 35-year-old man. But I'm looking at these guys in their mid-20s wearing their ridiculous outfits. I'm like, these guys look like total J-Brones. But they're professional hockey players. And I think that's kind of goes with the territory. You just you are a bit of a tool to begin with. Like, I know you're not feeling well, but do you have hater rating your tea or some shit? Like, this I'm guy's just saying that- bitching about the goal song. He's bitching about their outfits. Like, come on, man. I agree I, I, that they listen. probably shouldn't dress janky to the game back in, like, when they did. I mean, they're at a Raptor game, wherever the fuck you want. Like, Kerfoot looked good, though. Kerfoot looked like... But, but at the same time, I think... Yeah, he's Harvard-educated. He's a Harvard-educated adult male, whereas Riley and... Not Riley, excuse me. Uh, Matthews and Marner are younger. They're in their early 20s, and they're still children. And I, I think that's uh, that's something we've talked about for a number of weeks now. That there's a lot of pressure we put on these guys and a lot of expectations that we have of these guys. But at the same time, we have to understand that these are the kids who were sitting at the Raptors game who look like every other child at the Raptors game, except these children are making, you know, as Maddie put, 10 sheets a year. <laughs> Yeah, so. Now the other the other Raptors story I want to bring up. There was a former Maple Leaf um, who went to a concession stand and asked for a beer. And uh, thankfully, one of my concession attendants told him, "Yeah, you can have a beer." But I, I like he starts pouring in like a, the beer cup, and he's like, "No, no, no! Can you, don't put it in the beer cup. Can you put it in the pop cup for me?" And <laughs> my concession attendant was like, uh, "No." <laughs> I have to put it in a in a beer cup. And he's like, "Well, you know who I am, right?" <laughs> and the kid's like, "I, sir, I have no idea who you are. Um, I can call my supervisor." So I came over. Megalo. I came over, and this uh, former Maple Leaf said to me, "You know who I am, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I don't care. If you want a beer, <laughs> if you if you want a beer, it's going in a beer cup because I'm not risking losing our." liquor license because you don't want to show your coach that you're drinking beer on your off day well you said it was a former leaf though it was a former maple leaf. He, i mean he still plays in the league so oh. it wasn't that long i was like was it ed belfour <laughs> i mean if it was ed, okay regardless i wouldn't have done it for anybody but i don't think ed belfour has um any reservations of looking like a drunk if you saw what he say, looked like at his hall of fame ceremony i was gonna say it would also not be ed belfour because he wouldn't leave with just one beer <laughs> I would have a very different conversation with Ed Belfour. My conversation would be, "I'm sorry, sir, you can't have six beers all at once. We're gonna. <laughs> I can't serve you this entire fridge, sir." Uh, but also with the suspensions last night, there was also the interesting. Well, actually, it wasn't a suspension, and it probably should have been. And that was a Jared Spurgeon hit. And my Not even God, no, <laughs> well, it was like a hit, I like mean, a mafia hit. Yeah. What on earth? Like, that was the most egregious-looking cross-check. I mean, Matthews, down. Matthews on Darlene was pretty egregious as well. I don't know, because that's reactionary to a play. Spurgeon got up, he looked down, pulled the stick up, and just drove it down on the dude's half-slash-ankle. He was hoping to break the dude's ankle, for sure. Well, yeah, he, he was trying to chop his ankle. <laughs> he was trying to, like, pop an Achilles tendon. Like, he was trying to hurt somebody. And well, he missed he missed his ankle for, by by a fair bit. I mean, that's just accuracy with a hockey stick when you're seeing red. I don't I don't think that should be accounted for when <clears throat> issuing his punishment. So his punishment was a five thousand dollar fine, maximum and, allowable uh, under the 
collective bargaining agreement in the NHL. See, that's what I don't understand. How is that one maximum allowable, but then we look at the other plays with Perry and Maroon and Simmons, and they got 22 and 25. Well, Maroon fought so, an unwilling participant, which I also think is kind of weird that they just ignored. Like, Riley had no interest in fighting Maroon, so I don't understand why. Um, just that. How big of a piece of shit do you have to be to be Pat Maroon and kind of like lays your ass on into that scrum and then see and pick Morgan Riley and instead of just grabbing him and wrestling him around knowing who you have you're like I'm no. going to start feeding him well, like, it you look it like a matter it's the playoffs they'll fight anybody at all no times. I know but it's just it's such a dick move like as much as Tom Wilson bugs me I don't see Tom Wilson doing that yeah he did he did it in New York that's why they went on got Reeves because he smashed people's faces into the ice so here's the question. Who's the bigger asshole? Is it Maroon or is it Spurgeon? Maroon. Nah, Spurgeon. Really? I, yeah, I was going to say Spurgeon. Like, a, a, I mean, in, is it an least... isolated incident or like in total? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, isolated incident. In total, oh, obviously Spurgeon. it's Maroon. But yeah, Spurgeon. This, yeah, so this incident in a vacuum. One versus one. Like, I don't think, I think the actual like... <sighs> The, the there was nothing nothing came of what Spurgeon did and like you know garbage cross checks happen all the time I think it's just a like a really weird spot to do it and time to do it like he like it was his leg was like completely exposed like and there's no I mean I, don't, I haven't worn new shin pads or anything like that but there's not there's nothing back there um to, to protect you so at the very least you're you're probably getting a nice bruise um and that that usually stiffens up when you skate so um i don't i don't know it's like yeah is it intent to to is it intent to injure yeah is it suspendable should be i i believe like but is it intent to murder no like it's not like donald Brashear or uh what was his name Wow, I totally forgot about that thing. Donald Brashear and... Marty McSorley. McSorley. Marty McSorley, yes, with the kendo stick to the head. And then, of course, we can't forget about Trevor Moore and... No, Steve uh, Moore. Steve Steve Moore, Moore, excuse me. Trevor Moore is a hero in Edmonton. Or in L.A. Well, no, he's in Edmonton. You're brothers, right? I'm not making that up. No, you're you're thinking of Dominic Moore and Steve Moore. They are brothers. There it is. Yeah, former Leaf. Actually, good player for the Leafs. But, yeah, I mean, like, I get it. It's because the scrums and the fights, you think of it as part of the culture. It's part of the game. And the stick is always one of those things where it's very heavily frowned upon to use it beyond just, like, a little bit of shoving and maybe, like, a little tap on the guy's pads. That in that moment, that's one of those things you're taught growing up. It's you never use your stick like this. So, like, I get it. But I also think... You know, that's more of a heat of the moment thing. I almost feel like Maroons was kind of planned out a little bit. He knew what he was doing and who he was grabbing. You know what I mean? You know what, though? How many... I'm going to ask you this specifically because I know you know this. And I know that we were taught this. How many times... Like, when we talk about intent to injure, how many times growing up were we taught, you're in front of the net, take the sticks to the laces and watch that guy try and get his boot off at the end of the game? Like is oh, that uncle, that's, with the leg, Johnny? Yeah, that's that's no different than. So, uncle, 
Uncle Wayne taught us. He was like, guys in the front of the net, he doesn't want to move. Just the heel of the stick right to the top of the laces. Right? And you'll, he'll, he'll be taking hours to get his boot off. Yeah. You essentially right have now. to you have to cut the laces to get the boot off. So, it's, like, that's just as intent to injure. Uh, Brian McCabe's can opener, like, that wasn't to... That wasn't a, to hug and kiss, right? <laughs> so I don't know. You know, there's, I just, it's, I think it's just like, it's, it's shitty, but yeah. I think it's just in a weird time and a weird spot more than anything. You know what this does though? This just shows the lack of consistency with player safety and like suspension. That's a fucking rabbit hole. I don't even want to get down. Yeah. That's, that's a, a, that's a whole hour. two hours. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I I hear you. I just think it's it's a little different situation. Also, Spurgeon's a Lady Bang nominee. Whatever. Yeah, that's not it anymore. Well, play, it's regular season, sir. He'll be fine. Uh, no, I think I he mean, lost it to Slavin. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It's again, and oh, that's the other thing too. It's it's Spurgeon. I agree with you know, Maddie. It's it's heat of the moment. Like tensions are high, especially with you know the Wild, who I picked getting getting beat up you know speaking of did anyone's pants get tight oh i know why dustin's hands went up i just <laughs> thought i'm on delay aaron judge just smack cranked one but um did anyone else's pants get tight watching the la kings beat the oilers because mine did i i thought it was fantastic theater because they are arguably the least of the west this team with so much talent top-end guys that can't deliver and the Leafs came out in game one and showed what they were supposed to do and did what they had to do and not just win the game but convincingly in Edmonton just fell back to who they were mid-season I don't, I don't know about that I, Edmonton played all right I think it comes down to your favorite yeah but so for for those of you who don't know uh, Maddie's favorite is Mike Smith I I can't stand Mike Smith <laughs> I think that Okay, and it's not. For what anything. has Mike Smith done to you that you have so much hate? You <laughs> sound like a former girlfriend like must have cheated on him with Mike Smith, no. or, or as someone no, named Mike Smith. <laughs> do you guys okay. ever watch? Do you guys ever watch a show of the League? Oh, yeah. Yes, I love the League. Do you know the episode where Pete sees um, Adrian Peterson in some coffee shop and he goes up to him oh, and say hello, and yeah. then it's Pete's uh, ex girlfriend Gia Gibiotti who shows up and she's now dating Adrian Peterson. Frank this is how I Gibiati. feel. This is the body Gibiati. This is how I feel that you yeah. like your relationship with Mike Smith. Like at some point, there was an ex girlfriend, or you cut him out on the four hundred one. The body is now with Mike Smith. No, you know what it is. It's as someone who played, and I like I was predominantly a forward, but I did play some D. And the worst thing you can do as attendee is sell your team out or sell your players out. I get you get frustrated. I get you get angry and you kind of throw your hands up. But go back and watch highlight reels of Mike Smith gaffes and goals. And 95% of the time, he looks around at his teammates. He gives them a stare down. He gives them a look like it's their fault. And it's always their fault. It can't be on Mike Smith because he's the world's best goalie, although he's fucking garbage. He's decent, he's mediocre at best, he's maybe in the top 20, but he's not cracking the top 15. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what, what, a, what a battle that was, This eh? guy is garbage. He's horrible. He's definitely <laughs> then he's, could he's be a okay. world beater. 
but he's garbage. Probably in the Hall of Fame one yeah. day. <laughs> Maybe but, Team Canada, no, you but know he's what I, fucking garbage. No, but you know what I mean. He's like he's serviceable. You know, like he's better than lower tier guy who's like you know third, fourth string guy. <laughs> but he's not going to be a guy that's going to carry you across the. No, okay. But my point is, is it's always somebody else's fault. He's always freaking out on his teammates. He's always staring them down. He's throwing his hands up at them, giving them dirty looks. Like, buddy, make a fucking save, okay? Sometimes, you know, your team makes the right play, and the other team just pounces on the puck, turns it around. Be ready. Stop yeah. the puck. Jamie McLennan said something on the radio earlier that I thought was actually really poignant on this kind of thing. And he was talking actually about Jack Campbell and his stats and people are talking about, you know, goals against the ERA, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes it's not about those things. It's about when you make the save. And I feel like Smith doesn't know when to make this, the save. Do you know what I mean? Like guys did you too fucking much. He thinks just because he can handle the puck every time it comes to him, he should. And that's not the case. Well, There's times. What, okay. Or that's what cost you know, him the I, goal. I mean, he, he, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have awareness of, the like the proverbial time and place right like i think that's a guy you have to have a sit down and be like hey mike there's a time and place for everything uh third period tie game it was tied right at that point yeah uh maybe not the time to waffle uh one right up the middle dude fucking a waffle it was a pizza he was pizza pizza two for one special straight down center there it was it was kind of embarrassing because i mean even as players the first thing we get taught is never up the middle um and you know he was lucky they didn't score on the first two uh kicks at it right in front of the net like the whole play resulted in the goal and had he played it on the boards or allowed those capable of handling the puck to play the play it but i get it if it's like if the teams if the other team's changing or you're on the power yeah, they, they play on the and the puck comes down. <laughs> Yeah, like it's five on five, and three Kings players are <laughs> in right in front of the net. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, below the hash marks. Right, but he, so he was trying to that, hit Drysaitel for the breakaway, right? Like he was trying. I, to... I get it, but that's you do that when you're up two to one in the second period. You don't do that in a tie game with five minutes left in the third. Yeah, no, in that's game what I'm one of the playoffs. Time and so place. what? What pisses me off is what that does as a defenseman is one. You're like okay, you don't trust me to make the right play. You're trying to just take care of everything. And two, then if the play doesn't turn around, you're scrambling. The defenseman comes back, gets a puck. You set up for your breakout and your transition. Now the puck turns around, you're scrambling. You don't know where the fuck you're going. Yeah, I don't think it's so and much yeah. that it's like, oh, you don't trust me as a defenseman. It's me as a defenseman now. I don't trust you to handle the puck as a goaltender. Honestly, what? Honestly, I will say this. I always yell at goalies when i'm playing like now obviously it doesn't really matter but when i was playing the first goalie would touch the puck he'd start looking i and i'm, I'm coming back for it i'm yelling at him to leave it i just say leave it because yeah. it's easier of, to yeah it's easier to transition i kind of feel bad for edmonton I, I don't think they deserve to lose that game entirely um but i don't i i want that city to burn no and i, I, I want mean, the chaos i, I want the chaos in fairness to Mike Smith, he uh, did win a gold in the World Championships for Team Canada and also won Olympic gold medal in 2014. Yeah, as a, a third-string goalie, that doesn't matter. Can you do me a favor? Can you look up his last 
uh, 10 uh, NHL playoff games and how many he's won. <laughs> I know where this is going because I already uh, noticed that. Four, I can is. look at the last 10. He has one win in his last 10. Well, actually, no. Zero because I guess <laughs> it's not counting last night. <laughs> Thank you. Zing. So... I you know but, it's 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 a but it's you know what that's that's Mike Smith in in a in a nutshell is you don't know what you're gonna get the dude went nine zero and one or something to finish the season hasn't been able to win a playoff game makes you know pretty steady throughout most of the game then does something fucking wild just to to give it away Honestly, and it's, yeah st- stats in the last ten games of the year mean nothing because you're either playing teams that don't give a shit and like I said last week or in the playoff preview show is they're they're on expedia.ca the tickets are booked guys are just waiting for the season to end to get out and also too you're playing teams that are already seated in the playoffs and so they're like we don't want to get hurt okay. we just got to play was, this out what was mike smith's stats for the season not great i don't i mean he was injured too so i'm gonna look it up real quick Let's see i was looking at mike smith's I was looking at his stats for like everything prior to this year, so I don't have it in front of me. So his career, he's a career uh, two seventy with a nine twelve save percentage, with forty four shutouts. This year he was sixteen and nine, two shutouts, two eighty one with a nine fifteen. I mean, it's nothing like you said. It's nothing to write home about. Like it's, you know, but it's I could probably terrible. list five Toronto Maple Leaf goaltenders in the past five years that were way worse than that. Yes. Absolutely. And I mean, Jack Campbell this year was a 914 and a 264 with five shutouts. So their their stats weren't exactly too far off. But um, it, again, it's not necessarily the stats. It's how you react to your oh, team. Absolutely. In those or, yeah, and how you make the And save. that's, see, the stats to me aren't what bother me about him. It's his attitude when it, something goes wrong. I'm just like, for uh, the ultimate team game, you sell your team under the bridge like that. Like, fuck, it just drives me nuts. But I mean, it's it's the Freddie Anderson thing too, right? Like, are you going to make the save when the when the time comes? And I don't know that Mike Smith is entirely that guy. Well, there's a whole lot of more, a whole lot more playoff action in the NHL tonight and going forward. But there is also playoff action in the NBA, and unfortunately for the Toronto Raptors, their playoffs are over. They are already starting to call up all their storage facilities and get their golf clubs out of storage and Do you make their arrangements. I like these guys fucking golf. I don't think they golf. Well, I know Kyle, actually, no, Kyle Lowry golfed a lot. Have you seen Charles Barkley golf? Yeah, he's got the yeah, best swing in, in, of all time. That hesitation deeks people his swing makes His swing makes my dick regret. If there were, if there were, defense, if there were defensemen in golf, he would be the best. That's like what about Michael Jordan? He's a pretty good Michael golfer. Jordan was playing golf in between games during the season. What about Bill Murray? Yeah. That doesn't mean Brad Larry Bird. Cooper can golf. <gasps> Larry Bird. You no, know. like, I get, like, obviously there's, you know, guys that will play, but I think the majority of these guys are going off to Europe or going off to a beach somewhere for a bit. That wasn't the headline of my sentence. I was just trying to say that the season's <laughs> over for the Raptors. We broke it down way too far. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't think it, it needed that much uh, description. But in any event, the Raptors season is over. Um, honestly, I think it was a successful season based on what yep. I had expected going into the year. I, I didn't think for a second that the Raptors would even make the playoffs. So the fact that they made the playoffs, had the record that they did, had Scotty Barnes perform the way he did... Uh, Pascal Siakam played better than I 
was going to give him credit for. I think some guys like Van Vliet really turned the page to become a legitimate starting point guard in the league. He's always kind of lived in the shadow of Kyle Lowry, and now that he's out of that shadow, he's proven that he can stay in that position. And I think the future is still really bright for this team. Obviously, there's going to be some challenges in bringing in some free agents when there really isn't a whole lot of good quality free agents available this year. They may have to wait till next year to make that happen. But any closing thoughts on the Raptors for you guys? I don't know if we want to spend too much time on this. I think the, the juiciest part of this story is the Gordon Dragic angle, which I think we'll get to later. Yeah, I think, like you said, they far outperformed any expectations that they had. I think going into the season, most people said just on the outside or kind of in the play-in tournament games things that you want to call them. But the fact that they finished where they did in the East and as successful as you could say it was um, in that respect, then I think you're nothing but happy with it, especially moving forward as an organizational coach with guys like Scotty Barnes, Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Gary Trent. You know, there's a lot there to be excited about. I do think, given the league that the NBA is, that they're a star short of being a top team in the East, and that's going to be hard for them to get. But you're encouraged by what this season brought you. I, I think a lot of things... Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think a lot of things also kind of went right for the Raptors throughout the season externally. The Brooklyn Nets were not the team that the Brooklyn Nets were supposed to be. The Cleveland Cavaliers were hot and then kind of fizzled out. The Atlanta Hawks didn't really perform up to expectations. You know, even, you know, look at the Knicks started hot and then kind of immediately faded away. Um, There's a... the, The Eastern Conference kind of set itself up for the Raptors to be successful. Um, and that's not taking anything away from what they have accomplished. And, you know, Scotty Barnes was a revelation. Like you said, I think everyone was prepared. And going back to what I said about things going right, I think everyone was prepared for a lot of question marks going south. And instead, pardon the pun, they went north. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's play was unreal. Um, like you said, Fran Van Vliet looked almost identical to Kyle Lowry. Like, they're, they're very similar players. I mean, Lowry can take a charge. Uh, better, but in terms of their their style of play and their 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 bulldog like attitude, very similar. The one thing I will say that I think if you're the Raptors, you're looking for. I mean, Masai Ujiri said today that you know the plan going forward is to build around this young core. Um, I'm going to throw something out there. I think that the Raptors, the last piece of the puzzle, is a true big, and. I would honestly be kicking tires on Rudy Gobert in Utah, knowing that he put it out there that it's either him or Donovan Mitchell. One of them needs to be dealt. And if the Jazz have any interest in moving Gobert, that's the per- that's the GM. If I was Ujiri and Bobby Webster, I'd be picking up the phone and saying, who off our roster, like, what do we need to give you to make Gobert work? Because they're, I think then, they're one center away from being a championship contender. Okay, then the question to you is, what do you trade for Gobert? Well, I think it starts... They're going to start... I mean, look at look at the framework for the Kristaps Porzingis trade. And I think that's probably where... The one that was on the table, the trade deadline. So you're probably looking at Gary Trent Jr. You're probably... I know, I know. That's heartbreaking. 
I'm just saying that's probably what you're looking at. Chris Boucher, a first round pick. Um, there, like you're. That's what you're looking. Is Chris Boucher? Uh, he's a RFA, right? But he's gonna want a pay raise. So uh, when I when I looked it up the other day, I think it said bird status on Boucher. Right. So, but at the same time, I have no idea really what that means. So whatever. Um, it means you can. I think it means you can sign him to like a certain deal that that part of it is like cap circumvented i don't know it's the nba's cap is so fucked up um it is very stupid but uh i think that's that's where it starts i think trent uh boucher and then maybe og um goes the other way but trent boucher and og so gobert's a top, top three center in the league I know, but you're you're giving up two starters and your six man. Who did they trade for? What did they trade for Kawhi? I honestly don't even remember what that trade was. To be honest with you, Pirtle, Demar. Okay. Oh yeah, Demar was in that. That's right. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that's the type of trade that would that but would be made. That's the that's Kawhi. Yeah, this is Gobert. Gobert is you're saying top Not three Kawhi. top three center in the league. Kawhi was like top two player in the league. Oh, I understand what you're saying, but this is the piece that they need to get over the hump. I mean, Embiid M- proved that. <clears throat> you know, they I, I, I think no, I don't. I don't think he's what gets you over the hump. I think he gets you a lot closer. I think he makes you more competitive. But what I don't other, think. What he's, other element do they need? They have world class the defense. Wor- they no, have in the words scoring. of Michelangelo. In the world of words of Michelangelo, he's not the missing link. No, but what um, else do they need? Well, what they'll need is a replacement for Gary Trent and OG. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would you would assume that Barnes steps into the OG spot, right? And then Trent, yeah, you're sixth man, right? No, but I I think a team that was very evident that their weakness was yes center, but also lack of depth. And you're going to give up that depth, the relative depth that that team I think has. Size, I think size was way more of a problem than the depth. Those guys proved that they can, they can play. But Van Vliet got ran into the ground at the end of the year. Yeah, and they won without him. No, they, they won a game and a half without him. Yeah. Yeah, there, the depth was definitely an issue down the stretch. When Van Vliet got hurt and Flynn was starting a point guard, and now God love him. But he's not a starting NBA point guard at this point in his career. And and then after him, it was you had like you had Barnes playing point guard because there was or, no one else. Or Siakam, he played some point guard. Right. So I think I think you can solve the center issue in an efficient way without having to give up your capital. Yes, you're not getting a player the caliber of a Rudy Gobert, but you're not taking away from the already weakness of your team but you like you said they're they're a they need a star and their only real positional need is center so you're going to need a star center and that's going to cost you something so i don't know i don't know what more efficient like was it montrell hazel montrell what was his name montrell hazel we went to hassan montrell williams no montel jordan <laughs> um no um like those aren't going to get it done for this team. Like, like, and listen, I love Thad Young. Thad Young can't be the starting center, or like again, he's more 
of a complimentary piece. And he's fantastic, fucking fantastic doing that. And that's the kind of depth that we can maintain. But there's you if if you need a star and you need a center, then you need a star center. And that's what, you know, I, I kind of wish they acquired Valanchunas back. I thought he would have fit into the system well, but they didn't. That's unfortunate. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. there's not a lot of free agent. I mean, there's some there's some free agent centers out there. A lot of them are a little bit older. Uh, I see your kitsch uh is out there i think he's rfa though um but so i don't i don't know if i agree that they need a star center but i would agree that this playoff run was a clear example of how badly they miss abaca and gasol yes they don't have a lot of they have a lot of wingspan but they don't have a lot of size and body up the middle and i think you know that's something that needs to be addressed because as much as i love the guy like precious chua Again, good, not size. Uh, Thad Young, great, not size. Um, we'll get Serge Ibaka again. He's free Kem, agent. Kem Birch, yeah, but he's, what is he, 36? Kem Birch. Ibaka is really not, Ibaka's not even that big. Yes, Ibaka yeah. is also not Gasol was, he's though. Only 32. But Ibaka's like six foot nine. Like, he's yeah, not even Gasol the big was, size. Gasol was big. Well, he has to be because he's white. <laughs> So all I'm saying is they need size up the middle if they want to contend in the East. And if the rumors are true, too, that Zion is healthy and Zion ends up in New York, then they are going to need even more size up the middle. Yeah, but Zion needs to be able to play more than two games in a quarter. Man was going to play game seven. I think Yo, the healthy. only thing the, no, the only thing I'm hyped about Zion is his Naruto collab with Jordan. <laughs> That's all I'm excited about. Well, one guy who wasn't excited to be a Toronto Raptor was Gordon Dragic. And this fucking ass clown. When, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> when the Raptors got eliminated. Now, to be fair to this piece of shit, and I don't want to slander this motherfucker anymore. <laughs> to be anymore fair than I have to this to. piece of shit. <laughs> as soon as the Raptors were eliminated, he took to Twitter and he tweeted out a whole bunch of laughing emojis. Now, it is possible that uh, Mr. Dragic, the asshole that he is, was just watching an old episode of Big Bang Theory. I doubt something that, made him laugh. That funny. Something made him laugh that wasn't related to the Raptors in any way, and he just happened to tweet this out with no context, and everyone is jumping on him, assuming that he was laughing at the raptors maybe this is something else that was lost in translation you know maybe he was talking to a local media outlet and happened to say something in a foreign language along the lines of fuck this raptors team i don't want to play there something along those lines do you go i don't know how to frame this question other than this guy's an ass right yeah like he's a whiny piece of shit that essentially thinks in his mind that he can dictate where he goes a la your top one percent of your league but he's not top one percent of the league what what i don't understand is he said he wanted to go on to bigger and better things he went he got swept well yeah he not only did he get swept he went to the nets that were a dumpster fire inter and and admittedly a dumpster fire 
like they all have said the locker room was not cohesive and not like he like, like Dragic said there were problems in the locker room. Kyrie said sorry for being a distract. Like like there was nothing positive about that environment. Uh, you know, so I don't like it's you you can't laugh at someone for their girlfriend breaking up with them while your girlfriend is currently cheating on you. And that's that's like Dragic. Like you can't I don't understand. You know, like the joke's not funny if you're if you as the joke is funnier. Do you know what I mean? So I don't it's it's so I also want peculiar. I want to clarify. He was traded to the Raptors. He was a part of the Lowry deal. He then stepped away for like personal, personal reasons, reasons, which yeah. I which I think was just him saying, I don't want to be benched anymore, so get me out of here. And then he was traded to the Spurs. And he couldn't make that team. And then the Spurs cut him. I mean, they agreed to a contract buyout. But, like, he wasn't good enough to be on the Spurs. Yeah, who are a joke of a team this year. And then ended up signing with the Nets, like, near the end of the season. It was, like, late February when he signed with the Nets. It did absolutely nothing. And then, lo and behold, the Nets were swept in the first round. So, this man said, I don't want to play in Toronto because I have higher aspirations. Ended up playing for a worse team, got cut off the worst team, and then went to another team that made the playoffs, but then got swept out of the playoffs, and you're laughing at a team that at least had some fight? So With arguably guy. less? So like this, less year, players. this year, he was his stat line, he was 7.5 points, 3, three rebounds, 3.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Field goal percentage of 37%. was only 25% from three. Uh, but I will say his points were down in almost in half. He's a career 13-7. But his rebounds and assists were right on par. So he wasn't scoring at the clip that he normally did. Um, but I also don't think he had the reps in or the games to to score at that kind of pace. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to dunk on what he was able to accomplish wherever he went, but clearly like something, something isn't right with this person um, that he can't like, I don't understand how he didn't make the Spurs. And then on the, the nets, I mean, that's like I said, that's a, that's a tire fire. It's, it's, it's gross. So yeah, I don't know as, as Brooklyn, what was he? What was he at Brooklyn? five not good yeah i don't know but like looking back at stats like that like oh he's a career this but he did this that's the same with any aging player though you can then you're just buying on past historicals and not on what they can give to you now and what he gives to you now is arguably a seventh eighth guy off the bench yeah and it's not it's not just that like what did the the raptors what did the raptors do to you it was like before you he even came to the country he had already made up his mind that he didn't want to be here and he didn't want to play for his organization. Yeah, and so, I mean, he, he arguably slotted in right behind Fred. Um, he could have been the sixth man when he came here at the time. He I could mean, have been the player that replaced Fred in the playoffs and maybe get us through to the second round. Instead, he's swept and maybe going to try out for Eurovision. That's, uh, that's a good point, actually. He could have been a difference maker. That, But then, I, you know, you look around the team, maybe Gary Trent doesn't get the looks and whatever, and all that kind of stuff so i don't know it's i mean it's probably he just he just strikes me as one of those guys who thinks maybe back 
like a few years ago, yes, okay, it's valid. But now he thinks he's better than he actually is. Yeah, let's move on. And, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck Dragic. Like, honestly, the guy can literally, like, choke on a rotten hot dog similar to the, uh, what's his name in basketball? Somebody get this man a hot dog! Denzel? Yeah, Ted Denzel. I, I somewhat had a transition from Twitter to Twitter, and then the hot dog is gonna throw me for a loop. So <laughs> I'm just gonna unseamlessly go into the next today. <laughs> I'm just gonna unseamlessly go into the next topic of the NBA draft and NFL draft. Uh, to me, there was a couple headlines here. The, number one was the amount of wide receivers that were taken was the most that's ever been taken in the history of the NFL draft, which is you know an interesting little factoid. Hilariously enough, none of those wide receivers were taken by the Green Bay Packers, who I expect no one is going to play wide receiver for them this year. Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to throw the ball to Aaron Rodgers, a la Mr. Perfect. That sounds like a great idea, actually. <laughs> and that's probably what's going to end up have to happen. Yeah, not if, you, not if you want to stay healthy. There was also a couple of wide receiver trades as well. Uh, two brown guys. And not um, actual brown guys, but their last names are brown. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown gets traded to Arizona, which now looking at it makes a lot more sense that obviously the Cardinals knew that DeAndre Hopkins was going to get caught with something. He's going to get caught holding the bag here. So Hopkins is going to be sitting out the first six games of the season due to some sort of drug that was found in his system in some way i don't know it doesn't make sense to me he put out some sort of statement that explained what happened and i honestly kind of understand the the whole thing like these are professional athletes they're they probably have a nutritionist and the nutritionist said that you eat this, this take fine. this and yeah. and you know something was a trace amount in something and he took a lot of it and now all of a sudden he's flagged as being Dude, they gotta warn people using. about fucking trace peanuts at mcdonald's so like of course he's going to get caught with something. I just had a thought, though. Speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, though, the first seven weeks, the Cardinals were one of the best teams in the NFL. They were exciting to watch. Everyone thought, wow, like the Cardinals are finally here. Yeah. Kyler Murray's putting up monster numbers, early MVP favorite, or candidate at least. And then it goes downhill. You think they knew around week seven, eight, nine. No, they did. That this was coming. It, it came out in that he was actually busted in November. Okay. So, oddly enough, I think that probably coincides with the Cardinals coming back down to earth. No? I mean, it's possible. I, I don't remember the schedule too much. Maybe they ran into actual like competition. Um, Kyler Murray also sank a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, like he got off. He was gangbusters to begin the year, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a weird draft. It was a weird draft in that, like you said, a lot of wide receivers went like, again, like the DeAndre Hopkins thing, like the, they, they acquired Marquise Brown to kind of fill that gap. And I mean, that gives Kyler two threats, uh, you know, when it's the back half of the season or the back two thirds of the season, um, you know, the, the Green Bay didn't take a wide receiver until the second round till like 32nd i think but like clearly it's a deep wide receiver draft if all these guys are getting taken a qb got taken 20th and not again till the third round when desmond riddler went to the falcons it was nuts and even more nuts 
all the analysts and all the experts are saying the New York Jets have the best draft of all time. Well, not maybe not of all time, but definitely of all the teams out there, the New York Jets had a sparkling draft, taking care of many of the needs that they had. And I, for one, am excited. But I also don't understand why the Titans traded AJ Brown. Yeah, so the little the button I'll put on the Marquise Brown conversation was I thought it was interesting that Lamar Jackson almost seemed like he was unaware that the trade was coming, even though Brown, Marquise was already at the Cardinals draft parties. Like he was already in Arizona. <laughs> um, they knew about, or at least teams in the league knew about what was happening with DeAndre Hopkins. And Marquise Brown asked for a trade. So. <laughs> Of all these things combined, I just thought it was interesting that Lamar didn't know, which might just be a, a major communication malfunction with the Ravens, and here's that's going to be interesting going forward. Yeah, here's a question for you. Just inspire me, and Maddie and, and Dustin, you can answer because uh, I'm interested to hear your opinions. If let's say you're a receiver in Baltimore, I mean, do you get? Would you be annoyed that? Lamar calls his number so much or like let's say Philadelphia you're you're Jalen Hurts like and you're Devonta Smith right are you <laughs> or you're AJ Brown now or you're AJ Brown now uh, like are you are you like is that is that why Marquise wants out like do you think he's just like man like yes. I'm not getting the ball because well, Lamar's 100%. just running it. I, I because, think that was 100% the reason why Hollywood asked for a trade yeah, the receivers are paid off of the big-time catches, the big-time plays, and in those big-time plays, Lamar's calling his number. Guys, you don't get to be in that position without wanting to be the man. And if you're not the guy, you're like, get me the fuck out of here so I can go somewhere and be the guy. But, like, doesn't isn't that, like, a, a terrible strategy then for Lamar if he wants to win? Because you're never going to retain quality receivers, which now your your play calling becomes severely one-dimensional, right? You're, 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 you're the way he not... plays, though, I was going to say, though, the way he plays, though, it's not like his career is going to be long anyway. Dude's going to get beat up running that much. Yeah. I I mean, Dustin, you're the Ravens fan. But does it frustrate? Like Lamar Jackson is is all clearly a very special talent. But does it frustrate you that he's he's not your traditional like five tool player? Like he's obviously has the run game. I mean, his arm is above average. I think some would say like not the greatest. Um, does it frustrate you that it doesn't open up more options for the the Ravens as an offense, and they become like this one dimension? They don't even have any running backs either. Problem is, is yeah, it does, it, the, the options are there. He just doesn't use them. Well, no, he doesn't have any now. He has zero. He now has Rashad Bateman as his number one wide receiver. Yeah, and you hope that he Gus Edwards is healthy. He was hurt last year. Bateman Bateman started the year injured. He did play near the end of the year. But yeah, Bateman was a rookie last season. So yeah, if by saying who, I totally understand what you mean by that. Uh, to answer your question, I think you, there's a level of expectation of a Ra as a Ravens fan that you're always going to be frustrated by that offense. It's As for as long as I can remember, it's always been a run-heavy offense. It's always been a defense-first team. So I don't... Frankly, I don't ever really remember where they had like an explosive wide receiver at the same time as having a great run game and a great quarterback. They've never had all three of those pieces. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with 
Trent Dilford and uh, <laughs> Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco. Like it, it, these aren't marquee name quarterbacks. Hey, watch and never Joe will Flacco be. was a New York Jet. Joe Flacco, yeah, fuck and, off. and you know exactly what I mean by that when I say Joe Flacco wasn't the greatest. Now he played well when he was a Raven in that. He became the highest paid playoff quarterback series. of all time at that time. Did he not? He won the Super Bowl MVP that year. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not going to be remembered with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and all the guys from this generation. He's not going to be in that list. He's not even going to be like in the next tier of that list. He'll be like in the third tier of that list with, uh, I don't know, with, I was going to say Philip uh, Rivers, but Rivers is probably going to have a, a better span of work than. And uh, Flacco ever did. Who's the who's the dude in Philly? Nick Foles. I, won the won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's probably a similar situation. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm laughing, but that's a similar similar comparable. So then, when you talk when <clears throat> when you talk about that stuff, that's why I'm so excited. About, I'm baiting you into this. That's why I'm so excited about the Jets and their offense, because they drafted Garrett Wilson with their first pick. I'm oh, sorry, with their second pick at number ten, they drafted Brees Hall, who is the the number one rated running back. And they already have Corey Davis. They signed CJ Uzama from the Bengals. So if you look at their running back depth chart, it's Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman is third, who who ran running back for the 49ers. Uh, and uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, or Robert Sala, brought him here uh, because I mean, he liked working with Tevin Coleman. Sorry. Who didn't play? Uh, who didn't play running back for 49ers last year? <laughs> well, it wasn't last year; it was two years ago. But I, I hear you. But then, wide receiver, the first slot: Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, then Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and then Garrett Smith and or Garrett Wilson and Jeff Smith. So I mean, you look; those are all weapons, and that's why I'm so excited. And then that's why when I talk about, you know, the Ravens who sometimes get rated, uh, you know, well, I mean, everyone gets rated above the Jets, like. What would what would they look like if they had more weapons? That's I guess that's what I'm kind of wondering, because, man, like I'm I'm excited about the weapons for the Jets, and I just don't I don't understand how they can expect to compete when all they have is Lamar Jackson trying to push through the O line for for yards. I don't know. Or, or yeah, I think it's gonna wide. be tough sledding for the. I think the Ravens have a lot to work a lot of work to do before the season starts. And I, I think they know that. I, I think they're well aware that their best wide receiver right now is probably one of their cornerbacks and just hoping, you know, whoever plays quarterback for Pittsburgh is going to throw a ton of interceptions. Like, that's going to be their reception leader this year, or their corners. So <laughs> we will see. Uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about A.J. Brown other than I don't know what the hell Tennessee is thinking. Weird. Uh, A.J. Br- Brown is probably top five wide receiver in the league. If not top five, definitely top ten. But I, I, I can see from a from an outside perspective, I understand what the thinking is that they just went in the draft and found a very similar player that is controllable for more years. And immediately after getting traded, uh, Brown signed a huge extension with a lot of guaranteed money. So I suppose it's possible Tennessee wasn't interested in giving him that contract. This found a place for him and got a draft pick to replace him. It may be as simple as that, but I've seen comments from Ryan Tannehill about how disappointed he is about the whole thing. And that's just, it's a similar situation to Marquise Brown and the Ravens where 
it seems like the quarterback was not consulted in any of these decisions. And not that you have to consult the quarterback. Maybe that's not the right word I wanted to use. I, I think it's... I feel like they should be a part of the conversation. Where, look, we're going in a new direction. We're going to be making this trade. Heads up, this is coming. Rather than them going on Twitter and seeing Adam Schefter talk about it. I, I think there's a, probably a better way to address this. Yeah, I mean, that was Aaron Rodgers' problem, right? Like, he didn't... He felt he didn't have enough say in the personnel, and, and that caused some problems. Um... Yet he actively handicapped by taking that contract and then them having to get rid of Devontae Adams. So, But, <laughs> true. Um, but it's, I don't know, man. I feel like it's almost similar. Like you got a guy, like Tannehill's not a runner, right? He's a, he's a pass, he's a quarterback. Well, right? I would hope with that running back, you never run the ball as a quarterback. Right. With Derek Henry running in the back. Right. It's like, but that's, you're, you're, you're making, you're exactly making my point is it's almost just like the Ravens. You have a very strong run game with Derrick Henry and then nothing. I mean, Traylon Burks uh, looks like he's going to be a good wide receiver. But again, you're putting all your, your wide receiver eggs in, in, the, in the Traylon Burks basket. It's also interesting that they drafted Malik Willis uh, at quarterback who was at one time the highest rated quarterback in this draft um he went in the third round so i, th- I thought that was interesting too but yeah if you're the Titan, if you're titans fans i mean they did outperform their offensive weapons last year and maybe that's what they're banking on again but i don't think you can go to that well twice um you know with derrick henry was injured last year they did you know there were some concerns and i think aj brown was hurt at the same time was he not so there were some concerns about their their offensive game but this somehow continued to to roll on um, and maybe that's what they think can happen again, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my game plan two years in a row is just, yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, it's, yeah, ugh. that's tough. Well, the NFL season still has a few months until it gets started, but coming up sooner than a few months is this weekend. And I want to know what you guys are doing this weekend, James. Well, I think you know what uh, I'm doing. We uh, we got. I think we all are doing the same thing this weekend. Can we all agree on that? Right, we got we got our Doctor Strange tickets, so we'll be going to see Very some hyped. multiverse of madness. I know, trying to stay away from those spoilers. That's the that's the one good thing about sports, eh? There's no such thing as a spoiler in sports. Like no one's. Well, unless you're Agent Wojnarowski or Adam Schefter, and <laughs> you spoil for players on twitter before they even get told by their gms where they're going with happening. <laughs> that's true or you have a delorean and you can find great sports almanac and make yourself a millionaire but yo, that's a conversation i think we should do one day is if we had what's the, the bet you would make yeah what's the one bet you would make and realistic not like oh i travel back take out a loan of a line of credit of like 50k and go back and put i it can on. tell you easy the bet i would make easy oh i already know easy the bet i would make do is right is the New England Patriots coming back against the Falcons? Okay, Dustin, do you have one? I'll stop your head because I got one. I got one that that is I the don't. bet of bets of ahead. all time. Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah, but that also ties into the movie. I wish I had a. I wish I had a time machine. Go back and bet it all in the Cubbies. Yeah, but the, he was right. I would have bet it all in the Cubbies because they won, and there was no. They could have had. 
They could have had the all-star lineup from MLB The Show that Dustin plays with. They could have had all the, the vets, cards, and played. And there was no chance in hell, at, like, every year they were going to win. It was some oh, something. It was Bartman or something. So putting money on them, I feel like the odds, like, I don't know. I would have to look up the odds in that year. But I feel like it would have been plus, like, a gajillion every year. So I would have put money on the Cubs. Yeah. Doctor Strange for sure. That's That's the weekend plans. I think, off the top of my head, the, the one thing that jumps out at me, I would put money on Seth Petrozelli to knock out Kimbo Slice in the first round. Oh my god. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a weird bet. That's a so, deep cut right there. Yo, yeah. a while ago. Rest in peace. The, okay, so there's some back to this. So we used to, at my grandparents' house, my buddy Jeff would come over and we'd hang out and watch shit like sports, big Jeopardy sessions, like massive Jeopardy sessions. And we, Jimmy would be sitting there in his room working, doing whatever. And we'd get annoyed by calling his name from the like living room area. We'd be like, Jim. And finally one day we just started calling Jimmy Jimbo Slice. <laughs> <For no. laughs> yeah, because I'm a, I'm a massive African-American dude who was on bum fights that ended up doing bouncer work for pornos and then ended up on the ultimate fighter and then eventually passed away rest in peace remember bum fights that remember okay internet in the 90s was wild man you had bum fights you had tourette's guy you had what was some of the other like Newgrounds and e-bombs world were a cesspool but a very fun cesspool it's all those flash you animations you can just go back and relive it this weekend does e-bombs even exist anymore no, you are clicks away from finding out, sir. <laughs> I'm I, I'm literally checking right now. In front of a computer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it does. And wow, top pictures: Amanda Bynes or twenty cringeworthy dudes who posed with their favorite porn stars. The top <laughs> click. <laughs> well, your weekend sorted. Uh, <laughs> yep, I know what I'm doing this 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 weekend. That and twenty internet liars peddling BS. No one is buying. But yeah, Ebom's world, Doctor Strange. Um, Bob's World Doctors. It now tops the list. Yeah, <laughs> we can't play. I don't know. Maybe go back and do a meme meme play of Elden Ring. Start that in some way. I don't know. We'll see. What yeah, for me Dustin? also also uh, Doctor Strange. Hopefully, I'm still recovering from COVID, so I hope that I'm healthy enough to be able to go. I think I would be, but we'll see. I think uh, on the show on Monday night we should probably all talk about Doctor Strange. Maybe. Uh, Post credits, obviously spoiler free, and broad strokes of what no, we thought about. No, we'll the just movie. give a spoiler warning. Yeah, then, well, it's spoiler warning now, and then just say. No, you give a spoiler warning when we talk. Say, hey, after this two seconds, spoilers. You can stop now. Count to five, and then there you go. Well, and this is probably discussion for after the show. But <laughs> what I'm thinking, beginning of the show, broad strokes. Here's what we think. We go into our regular podcast at the end of the podcast. Okay, sports podcast is over. Yeah. We're going full spoilers now. Turn yeah. turn it off now if you don't want to hear about this. Yeah. Let's Anyways, see. we can we can air we can air out those details after. But yes, I am very excited for Doctor Strange and um, playoff hockey. Yeah, that Leafs game Sunday night. You know so what? Is it, it? It's so weird that the Leafs are playing on a Sunday and not a Saturday in the playoffs. You know what? Though I'm going to say this. I remember how you're like I'm so jacked. It's playoffs, and I was like. Like I, I was a little more muted on it after game one, man. There's there is nothing like round one. There's nothing like round one. Set All it. these teams, there's so much hate, 
and there's so much yep. like it's it's so fucking good oh this uh, this rangers pens game i've had it on in the background has been ruthless so far like ryan reese is running around wanting to cause some shit and i love it i'm here for it rangers are my second favorite team in the league though so like i'm about the rangers and i'm just over the pens i respect crosby i love crosby i'm just over the pens well, we will see you next week. However, before we go, I do want to remind everyone that uh, Hall and Oates, You Make My Dreams, came out 41 years ago. Okay? okay? Figure it out, Maple Leafs. Get with the times. We want to hear an emphatic and fun and energy-driven goal song going forward when hopefully the Maple Leafs defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. And every or, game actually, thereafter. Before you sign off, anybody who's curious, on socials, if you have any ideas for goal songs that you would like to hear, send them our way. Jimmy yeah. manages the Twitter. So if you're listening, I'll tweet it 40, at, at 43.6 uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, send song ideas through. Yeah, we are on, we are 43.point6 on all of our socials. So you can, you can find us there. Let us know what you're goal song would be if you were in charge of the toronto maple leafs game day production i'm sure you can come up with something better than a 41 year old song but until then we will see you next week this is 43.6 the sports podcast you always wanted i'm dustin he's james he's maddie and we'll see you next week